And it's a beautiful August 19th, 2022. Look at that. It's a beautiful day. And it's Friday. Friday then. It's Saturday, Sunday. Oh, yeah. You already know what today it is. Saturday, Sunday. You already know what it is. Let's get it. You already know the vibes. On this beautiful Friday, August 19, 2022. What's up, Mando? What's up, Ovi? Oh, shit. I dropped my iPad. Hold on. <laughs> GM. GM. <laughs> ah, I dropped my iPad. I can't turn it off. There it is. I turn big it night. Off. Thursday's always a big night, right? You do the, the late night show. Yeah, we did a show last night, 8 to 10. And then uh, and decided to take the show out. Uh, in the streets of Montreal, you know, it's summer. It's still summer, so it's nice out. Figure we do a little. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was fun last time we had a show. Um, it, it's it's fun to have the show on on Thursday nights. It's uh, we talk about a lot, a lot, a lot of big topics. So it's always very interesting. Um, if anyone wants to listen back, I think yesterday we talked about freedom of transaction. We talked about privacy we talked about uh competition collaboration we always talk a lot of, about a lot of big topics right it's with mel so it's it's always a little more like like the big topical things and we go riff off of them for like 30 45 minutes sometimes an hour and we go off but yeah but today on the show i'm extremely i'm extremely excited about today's show uh, you know, I share a top for anybody who wants to share it, retweet. You know what to do. There's already 200 people in here uh, listening to us live. You know what to do. Go to the top, hit that, and hit that retweet. But um, we're basically going to be talking about daily NFT market summary, uh, macro. It's not looking great. It's not looking great. We had a big red candle uh, yesterday. <laughs> Fuck, that's <laughs> shit. That's a big red candle. Ovi, we're going to have to talk about that. You and I. We're gonna have to have a conversation about that on the stage, and then, <laughs> and then, and then uh, uh, that I don't know if you guys saw, but the Board of Yacht Club founders Gordon Garga on uh, the Nelk Boys um, podcast yesterday, and uh, they were talking about uh, floor price and how they they don't look at it, they don't care for it, uh, and that they had a founder once come up to them and ask them about the floor price, and they bring it up, and they told them to just go do mushrooms and go sit in the forest. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty good advice. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, and so should founders look uh, at the floor price and care for it. And then, then we have Ryan Wyatt, aka Fwiz, CEO of Polygon Studios on the show. So it's going to be a big guest. Uh, it's going to be a really, really good conversation uh, today on the Gem NFT shows. What a week it has been for us. I don't know about you guys, but 
Wow. I'm feeling it. And uh, and it's been a lot of fun. We have incredible guests on all week, back-to-back bangers. And so we're definitely leaving off, uh, you know, we're definitely leaving off with a bang. Sorry to use the word twice, but damn, uh, we're doing it. <laughs> and so and so it's going to be great. I can't wait. But first, let's get right into this market conversation. Daily Market Report. Brought to you by Rug Radio. Yeah, things are things are not looking too rosy. No, they're morning. not. I they're was not. promised twenty five hundred. Yeah. By Mando. So, Farouk, just to be clear, did you you didn't buy it in the ETH, but you waited until nineteen hundred to buy some? <laughs> yeah, I love how Farouk now blames it on me. I told him you're, the DCA all the way up. You're close, but I can still boot you off stage. Okay, <laughs> unbelievable! You did the exact opposite of what I told you to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that! I love that! I hate you guys. That was, that was too good. Twenty-five hundred by Michael Anderson. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead, Obi. <laughs> All right. So, like traditional markets are weak. Um, Nasdaq's down almost two percent. Interest rates keep selling off. They're about seven, eight basis points higher. Oil is higher, so every, literally everything is in the wrong direction there. Um, there was, um, yes, yeah, so there was like a big crypto sell-off yesterday. There was a big red candle down in ETH and Bitcoin. Um, I haven't figured out fully what caused it, but it, it seemed like there was once again like a lot of leverage that came back into the system, and I think there was something like about five hundred and forty, five hundred thirty-seven million dollars worth of liquidations um, in the last twenty-four hours. I think 80 to 90% of that was in the majors, was in ETH and Bitcoin. Um, so it seems like to me, the leverage in the system was probably very high. Um, people had that data and then just someone just dumped a load uh, to cause these liquidations and cause that big red candle down. I think that's what's happened. Um, and because like we had that red candle yesterday and the macro stuff, like traditional markets weren't really trading that bad. Like they were weak, but it wasn't as bad as it didn't warrant the move that we saw yesterday in crypto. So I think that's what's happened. I think... Um, you know, maybe people got a little bit ahead of themselves on, on the long trade. And um, I think like time and time and time again, it just goes to show you like looking at the leverage and how that moves in crypto is obviously is, is, is actually a very, very good leading indicator. And it's very clear that um, there are either institutions or people with quite a lot of capital out there who monitor the leverage. And when it gets to a very high level, it's very easy for them to just come in, short a bunch of crypto and then cover it a lot lower because they can liquidate everyone. And all that information is is... Um, I think a lot of it is public or on chain or um, people are, probably pay for that information and have access to it as well. So I think that's what's happened. That's my read of the situation. Um, and that's why we're down quite a lot. And, you know, whenever that happens, people get scared, like people panic, people sell. We've obviously had a very turbulent year this year. And um, it just it just goes to show like you really have to have a you really have to have a trading or investing strategy and, and stay robotic about levels you want to buy and sell at because um, stuff like this will happen time and time again. And um, you don't want to be in a position where you get wrecked. I'm done talking. <laughs> oh, you can't. <laughs> you just really went for him there at the end, didn't you? Um, yeah, look, I think what's happened on the macro basis is that there's been a few different figures that have come out over the last couple of days, which have indicated that inflation um, is persistent beyond oil, particularly in Europe. Like there was a, a German producer inflation figure that came out today. Um, there was German... Total inflation, there was UK inflation, uh, all pointing higher, particularly in Europe. 
um, which I think has, has spooked the market slightly um, on a macro basis, which is why we've had rates sell off globally and stocks haven't really acted that well. Going into this about last week, it looked like um, leverage is coming in, mainly just in the ETH bit of the market. So ETH open interest was up to the highest it's ever been, which is, I, I mean, I put out a tweet last week um, saying, you know, that it's going to be, you're going to have chances to buy it back when um, when it gets that high. Um, just because it gets very volatile. And what Obi just said, it, you can get liquidation spirals um, when it happens. So, look, I still think that um, the merge is incredibly bullish for ETH. Um, I still think we're into... It's not just a... It's not just a bullish narrative. It actually changes the technicals around ETH in a way. So it's not just a you know, buy the rumor, sell the news thing. It will actually have an impact on the... Um, on the supply of ETH when it, when it actually is enacted. So I do think it's going to have an actual impact uh, more than just uh, a news flow. Um, but at the same time, like uh, everyone posi- was positioned relatively strongly into that. So you have to be aware that it's going to be very volatile, I think, over this period. Um, I'm still the same. Like we're just going to DCA, buy on dips. Um, right now, I think in ETH, there's been some uh, alts have been destroyed in this move. Looks like they're down like 10, 15% today. Um, particularly some of the layer two stuff. So again, I'm going to rotate to some of those. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's not not the, the greatest feeling right now in crypto. Um, ETH had been outperforming for a long time against everything else. So um, now there's a period where ETH is starting to underperform, and now everything else is getting hurt as well. So um, I think it's probably going to take maybe a day or two for that to kind of settle in. Ovi, come on, come on. We need you. <laughs> we need you. We're not. I'm Come not, on. I'm, I'm not. Fe- I'm not feeling very rosy quite yet. I think. Um... Come on, Ovi. <laughs> we need you right now. We need one of those speeches, Ovi. I swear to God, I need it for my mental health. Not. Not quite yet. Not. I feel like we can move. I feel like we can move a little bit lower. Um, like I'm ready. I'm. I'm being very patient about that levels to to buy more i don't think we're there yet um but yeah it just just felt like i mean like last couple of weeks we're like you know risks are a bit more balanced here um the fact that we didn't rally so much after these numbers after those, that inflation and employment number shows that people are long um you can see the leverage in the system it shows that people are long um i really thought we'd rally this whole summer with with all that news but never really happened so i think positioning has just like gone back the other way i think so I don't know. I think I think we're in drift lower in September. We have some data that comes out that could cause some volatility. And for me, it's just like I'm not selling anything, but I'm definitely gonna be patient before uh, before adding. I think I was I was bullish last week, but it just means that these figures have really spooked the market. Like these these inflation figures, which were aside from U.S. inflation, have indicated that that we're going to have persistent inflation across other things, and that's. That's been, a, a, you know, that's spooked macro um, that rates have sold off massively. Um, and that doesn't really put us in a great, great spot. Um, I, I, I still think that we're going to have a bullish next few months. But um, with leverage in the system as it is right now, you should just always have the expectation that you're going to be able to buy dips. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting time. Uh, for sure. In the NFT space, though, we have a lot uh, more to talk about when it comes to the NFT market. Um, and that's for sure. Uh, Mando, I don't know if you want to take it here. Uh, but first. 
There's not really much more to add. Uh, Except that the point of your club going to zero. What do you uh, mean? It's all going to zero. Everything's going to zero. Um, yeah, not, there's not really much more to add versus what we said yesterday. Like, there's still, um, there's still, I think, one Ben Dow liquidation happened uh, over the last 24 hours. Um, I think there's nine, which are, if it hits like the 60s, would get hit. Um, like, looking at over the last week or so, I was looking at that on flips, flips today. It's pretty ugly out there. Like, I think the average top collection is down about 10 to 20 percent uh over the last week in 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 uh, eth terms probably more in usd given the move in, in in that so still not a great environment right now for nfts um i think people are people are still the volumes just aren't really high enough um and that's that's really been spooking people i think there was a good tweet yesterday which is talking about the volumes even in june during the hashtag bear market um versus now like we're definitely seeing low ETH volumes at the moment, which is which is making people pretty uncomfortable. Um, and it didn't feel like that maybe even a week ago. I don't know if that's just like the last few days, but it definitely felt like when ETH, when the narrative was really strong that ETH was going to go to like, you know, 2000 plus on the back of the merge, NFT volumes basically just absolutely crumbled. And that again, got people very scared about, um, got very, very, very scared about liquidity in this environment right now. So I think that's, that's what, is the number number one focus right now liquidity, and um, that's across a lot of different markets. That's not just that's not just in uh, NFTs, and I think that's that's making people a little bit scared. Um, so all pumps are being sold into. It still feels like stuff is going down ten to twenty percent per week at the moment in ETH terms, and um, I still think we're going to need ETH to, to comfortably break above two thousand five hundred and probably stay there for a little bit. Um, go a bit sideways before people return to NFTs as being um, a bit more like a stable investment. Do we got the flips mint today? We, yeah, we have the flips gold pass mint. So we had like a forty times oversubscription for that. I think Rug Radio holders have got that. Um, fifty of them. Fifty of them. It's only five hundred tokens, so that's like a tenth of our supply. Um, but that'll be today. That goes on for three days, and then. Uh, we'll move on to a public list. Well, it will move on to a reserve list afterwards. If you if you did apply for the uh, allow list for on Rug Radio, on DGENs, on um, on DAP, on Rec Guy, then just pay attention because you're probably going to be involved in the reserve list after three days as well. So, on the NFT side, um, and then we got Punk Nine Hundred Five Nine down there. What up? But <laughs> it's not looking too good, guys. Honestly, it's um, it's it, we're down pretty bad. I mean, aside from Moonbirds sort of coming back uh, to fourteen ETH though, um, up eleven point eleven percent. Look at that angel numbers. I guess we'll need to stick to those uh, right now in this market, uh, and we'll need all the angels on our sides. That's for sure. Whatever God you believe in, whatever your background is, wherever you're from, start praying. This is the part where you, we all have to pray together. Uh, and uh, and uh, and and get and get uh, and get um, and get and get the floors up, right? And so it's not looking too good, guys. Of course, we talk about this every day, um, and we go over the market and such. But um, obviously, you know, we get Mebits down ten percent, 
you have Ozuki still at six something. Same thing for Clone X. Um, obviously, you saw a huge spike in like the full send, you know, not boys NFTs. That's what it says here. Uh, that's because of the Board of Yacht Club founders were on the show uh, yesterday uh, and whatnot. And then that's about it. Like, honestly, the whole market um, is just sideways. Even Chimpers went below one ETH, down another 10%. I'm super surprised about this one personally. Um, and everything, everything, even the aliens I was minting yesterday. It's funny talking punk chat. <laughs> this guy lost his shit in the punk chat. It's so funny. And he wrote a whole message about aliens, <laughs> about why they're, <laughs> they're at under 0.1 ETH, 0.07. You know, like this whole market, you know, people are just going to come at each other. Um, it's not going to be great for a bit. <laughs> you, you might as well laugh at it because... This is how it is. But the, the Board of Yacht Club liquidation thing, though, is, is kind of worrisome. Are you guys not worried? Like, if 78, it's like, does this shit not worry you? I'm not, I'm not really worried. Like, I think uh, a little bit. Like, I mean, you I forget think... that, that, that apes apes had, like, an ape DAO which liquidated 120 apes. Like, yeah, that's uh, when the floor was, like, 150 ETH, though. Is that better or worse? Like, yeah. I mean, in the I, I would say right now... Like it's yeah, like leverage in the system is not great. Like there's there's I think somebody's got a who's the guy who did who did a loan on a hundred punks right. Like there's there is leverage um, in many different places right now, uh, particularly true. on blue chip NFTs like uh, NFT Fi. There was some there was dump, some done through Nexo. Like there is leverage in the system. People have taken loans out, um, which. Mm-hmm. Collateral will be tested. Do I think that some of these top profile picture collections, um, you know, they they could dip below 100k again, uh, probably. But I do think that they're they're going to be um, they're going to be value long term. And I guess like we're sitting here, we uh, when we took out our money, uh, our value, we took it out with eight coin. Um, so we're kind of okay in in that sense. And our view is that this stuff is going to be valuable for for a while. Like we're not sitting here thinking this you know really that worried about it on a month one month or two month or three months basis it's like do you think these are going to be around for the next five ten years and i just of course it's just very difficult to imagine i don't know what i've seen so far is that these particularly someone like yuga labs like if you're looking at any company if you believe in the concept of web3 or the the idea of um many of the principles around nfts and yuga labs is like the apple or, or disney of that world so it just it just seems like a, a not a terrible time to to own those assets if if they're down you know sixty seventy percent. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I know you guys are good, but I'm sure a lot of people like <clears throat> in the space are just like you know looking at that. You know, obviously there's all the tweets about the liquidations and mutants. This and that. it's scary. It's scary. You know, I get it. It's the it's the that collection, right? It's the for, for me. For me, it's scary for the second tier stuff way more than that. Like so, there's some stuff here that will go to zero and never come back. Um, that that's my view. Like, if I was to look at our portfolio, I'd want to sell like a lot of the stuff. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, you want to when you're looking at what you want to sell, it's not necessarily the stuff that. That's the sort of environment where if you're bullish long term on NFTs, you might even think, right? Well, if I can buy, if board apes or punks get to like, you know, down another forty fifty percent, that might not be a bad buy. But if if like I don't know an Azuki or a Cool Cat or a Doodle or any of these stuff that could, might not make it, might who knows? But if there's, I think on the pro- balance probability, some of the Yuga assets are 
are some of the most yeah. likely. Like that's the sort of stuff that you might never want to buy back um, in a dip. So that that's the stuff I question way more. No, this this definitely this market is literally putting a lot of people into retirement and it sucks. Like a lot of projects, like it's just like it's putting a lot of shit down. Um, it's going to be really hard for a lot of projects to recover, which kind of like segues into the next conversation, right? Like we were talking about floor prices, right? And and you had um, Gordon. <clears throat> I'm gonna try and pin the. I'm gonna try and pin it uh, at the top, and uh, and and find it. It was posted, I think, on the Nell Boys account. But he was talking about the floor prices and how he he never looks at it. And then, um, and then, um, you know, they were like, "Really?" And they're like, "Yeah, no, I, I never look at it." Um, and it's because I don't care for it. And then he was saying that there was a founder, it's a friend of them. Um, um, there is there's a founder. That, that came to them and I was like, well, you know, what should I do? My floor is down. And they were like, well, go take some mushrooms and and go some floors. <laughs> God, it's so funny. Such funny. T- <laughs> GM, GM. Fuck. What up? <laughs> That's what I did. GM, GM Simon. Simon. When, when, when Rug Radio floor was down, I took some mushrooms inside of the forest. And I was like, okay, I see the light. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. But it's a funny tip. Uh, but what do you guys think, Ovi Mando? Uh, as a founder in the space, you guys obviously have your projects. You've 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 seen your floor yourselves go to zero, and then brought it back together and and made it successful. You know, I, I think you guys are want to create examples uh, and whatnot. And obviously, you're doing good now. But is that something you look at? How, how much time do you spent looking at your floor uh, on a monthly basis? I think um, look, I think anyone who says they never look at the floor, I think. I mean, for for the Yuga guys, it's different because they're, they're operating like such a huge project now. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't have time to look at the floor during the day. Yeah, for them, it's um, different. Like, seventy-seven person operation. I don't expect Gordon going right, the right, right. Exactly. For us, like, we we look. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'll, I'll be upfront and honest. So we look at it. Like, I'll, I'll see where it is today. I would see where it's right. Do I sit there looking at it all day on screen? Absolutely not. But um, we're definitely aware of it. I think the difference is though, and, and despite looking at it, one thing I would say, and it's one thing I definitely agree with with Gordon, is like while I look at it, we're not focused on it. Like I'm not thinking in my head, like what do I do to get this floor price higher? Um, if the floor if the floor price is down, I don't, I don't suddenly just, like change the plans that we have or change our strategy or change anything. Um, the same thing if the floor price is higher, like it doesn't affect like what we're trying to do. And I think in our heads, it's like okay. What are our plans? How do we make people just want to hold these and not want to sell them? What value can we give to them? And if you work, if you identify those things and you identify the things you're working on and you go ahead and work on them, um, it's my belief that the, the full price will act and react as a byproduct of what you're doing. And we, we went through that. We had a situation where the full price was zero. And I was like, let's just not look at it and let's just do what we want to do. And then if people like it, it will go up. And, and that's exactly what happened. And I think that's the way... Um, Gordon and, and Gaga and the, and the rest of you guys see it. They're just like, we have our plans and we're going to go ahead and carry them out because we're confident in what we're doing. And the floor price will react as like a secondary function of that. So I think people make the people where people mess up and where founders mess up and make mistakes is they get too fixated in the floor price. They talk about it too much. And when it starts to drop, they start changing their plans to try and fix the floor price and try and cater to it, which I don't think is the right thing to do. I think you want to have plans, stick to the plans and have a vision and if those plans work out, then the floor price should react um, should react uh, correctly. So it's like what my old boss always used to say to me. It's like, focus on the process. It's the process that's the most important thing. Just focus on that. 
and then the the results will come. And I think it's the same thing with with NFT projects, really. I love how you changed your voice when you uh, when you were talking about your old boss. Focus on the process, and then the results will come. Um, but yeah, no, this is actually a very good point, and it's very true. Mando, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, what he said. Look, I think there is some founders should definitely be aware of the flaw. There's there's something um, like NFT prices, in my opinion, they have a very um, they have very positive momentum. So, like, if a full price starts dropping, it can it can go down quite quickly. Um, and that's that's just like you see in the statistics. So it can be a little bit sometimes. Um, it can it can be a little bit worrying sometimes because it, it can be not even reflective of how much work you're doing. Like I, I what I've noticed in this in this in this market right now is that often they're very anchored to like what they were at the start of this cycle rather than like what they've done during this cycle. Um, let's put it that way. Like during this bear market, I feel as though you could, like for example, Chimp has added all this stuff during this bear market, and they've kind of gone down in in price way more than other projects may have. And I think that's something that um, has been a little bit tough at times. Um, so I do think it's something that like you you do need to pay attention to because it can be um, perpetuating. Um, and I do think it's something you know sometimes you need to like one of the best things that for example. Um, Snowfro did is during the time when the, the floors of his project went down, although he wasn't focused on it, he spent time onboarding the right people into your community. You, sp- you should spend time thinking about onboarding the right people into your community. We, For example, me and OSF, we're often talking to like ex-professional uh, investment professionals around, around the projects that we do because we're like, well, th- this might appeal to them. And, you know, for example, even for Rug Radio, for example, some of our ex-colleagues came in and bought that project from even you, Farouk. Like, it's about onboarding sometimes people that you think are relevant during that time. So being aware of what's happening um, on a market basis, I think is also important. Um, and being some of the people that on board, maybe the right people into your ecosystem is the right thing. Whether that's strictly paying attention to the floor price, um, it probably isn't, but it's, it's definitely informed by that. Um, I definitely think you should be aware of like when you should be actively trying to support your ecosystem um, with onboarding at the same time. That's a very good point. Um, the onboarding and the snow, for example. Remember how people were talking so much shit about our blocks at some point? We was going down, down. I think Squiggle was down to 3. When it went up to 14th, nobody was saying anything. Uh, that's funny, though. There's two things, right? Mando, Ovi, there's Simon, Golden, everyone's here. I'm sure you get it. You see it. But it's like you have the people and their opinions when the floor is up and down, which is funny because all of Web3 runs on Twitter. Uh, Twitter goes down. Tomorrow, Web3 is over, okay? And uh, <laughs> I mean, the MyFT market. But then you have what's actually going on, right? And it's just two, it's like two different realities, right? Like you could tell me, oh, yo, why are you full like this? But dude, like there's this so much things happening in the back end. And I'm most, most, most often times, in my opinion, in my opinion, guys, like the floor, you know, does not reflect what's actually happening. Uh, behind the scenes for the most part. That's what that's how I truly feel, right? A lot of projects, you know, are seeing their floors crash down now because, you know what, guess what? They weren't fucking worth the 10 ETH they were getting before. It was pure euphoria and we were all stuck and caught up in it. Let's be honest. All of us. Every single person on here. And it's normal. It's okay. It's, it was part of the cycle. Um, and now you're seeing a pullback on certain floors. Well, because they were never worth $50,000 in the first place. Okay? And then... No, no they were worth 100000 and next cycle... <laughs> 
Shut we're going to get there. <laughs> oh, my God. Next cycle is about we're speaking for price. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see projects like DJs, like Rug Radio, and like what other people in this space. I'm, I'm seeing so many amazing projects come out right now. Literally, the shit I get, like we get pitched in the collaborations email for Rug Radio or even the partnerships is so dope. And I'm like, damn, if that stuff was launching in a bowl, it would be nuts. It would literally be insane. Like this, the utility, the, the quality, even the art, everything is such another level when you think about the founders. And actually launched by real entrepreneurs and not just a bunch of kids treating it like a fucking project in high school that they're going to drop out of midway through the bear because they can't stand it. And they can't stand the floor going down. You know what I mean? Like I have so much to say about this. I don't want to get going on that because it's my own opinions. Not the opinions of Ovi, Armando, or Rock Radio. But... Let's, 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 for, for, let's do a Friday ramble afternoon space. I could go on for hours, but we have a very respectable guest coming on in 12 minutes, Simon. Very, very respectable. I meant this afternoon. We'll do like a random... Oh, let's yeah, go, yeah. Let's go do it on Clubhouse or something. No, I'm taking the night off tonight, okay? I had a long week, but I'm down to have a ramble. <laughs> but... <laughs> Did we get Simon's theme song yet? Like the nostalgia? Yeah, but it the disappeared. N- J6, what the oh, fuck? God. He did the jingle. He had a thing called Simon Says on the thing, and I was going to play it, and it's disappeared. It's gone. I, we have GM Jams. For everybody listening, GM Jams, J-A-M-S dot L-O-L. Uh, you don't need to sign in your wallet. Nothing. Don't worry. Go on the website right now if you're listening. And it's a soundboard we have for Rug Radio. <laughs> and there's everything. You can even click on the Rug Radio logo. And even the funniest thing is every time there's a Rug Radio NFT sale, it goes, let's go. It's like my voice. Uh, he even removed that. What's up, J6? Damn it. But anyways, point being, <laughs> point being, Simon, Ovi, Mando. Um, I, I agree with, with Gordon. And for the longest time, I actually, like, you would see me in the rugby disc would be like, yo, we don't care about floor price. We move forward. We don't care about floor price. Move forward. However, in the last four weeks, and it's been exactly about four weeks, I'm going to be four weeks since we've completely 180 the company brought a new structure and changed a lot of things. And you've seen it reflect directly on the full price and the volume on everything we're doing, even on, on the show, etc. And we've done a lot of work. I have been looking at the floor price. I look at the floor price. I don't think, however, I do not let the floor price dictate my actions, my thoughts, my day, my mood, the way I'm going to run the company or anything, because I'm running the company based on a 10, 20, 50 year spectrum, Right. I don't run a company based on an hour spectrum, on a one-day spectrum. I don't, I don't run the company based on what the, 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 the market that is in shambles right now decides that my company is worth. I will guide the company where I believe it needs to go and to where it needs to be worth and where it deserves to be. And every founder, in my opinion, needs to start thinking that way. You can look at your full price. It's fine. It's okay to talk about it too on here. I think it's good we're talking about it. But like, it should not dictate your actions. Do you guys look at the rec guy or the or the or the DJ floor price before you make an important decision for your for your community or before you even get on a meeting or on a call or for your next or for your next collaboration? No, you don't. I'm sure you don't. But you do look at the floor price to say, okay, well, perhaps we need to do this thing, that thing. It's just it's just a good like it's a temp check on the market sentiment, in my opinion. But there's no way. I mean, look at us. We had 400. I was going through the numbers. We had 400 Genesis NFT sales this month so far in the first 19 days of the month. We're not even done through the months. That's a lot of sales. 400 of our NFTs moved hands, okay? We had multiple sweeps. Deepak, Danny, Figgy, big names. This is that. A lot of people. Things that in, 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 in a bull market in 2021, 
the floor would have flown. Oh, we have Theo Polygon Studios today. Floor flies. Like, you know what I mean? That's the stuff that would happen back then. Unsustainable, though. Unsustainable. I'm actually happy about the way things are going right now because I can just work maintaining this at some place. And no matter how many times it's going to be swept, there's going to be people who need the ease. They're going to come out and take the liquidity because they need money. Like, people lost a lot of money. And so it's normal. They get liquidity out of it. So you should be happy, in my opinion. And Punk 9059, I'm glad you're here right now because it's going to be good, right? Like, to, to, to get into to, to hear your thoughts on this. But like, it's, it's, I'm happy to consider my project. Sorry, fuck the P word. We're not using the P word anymore on this stage. My business, Rug Radio, is a liquid business in a market like that. People are able to take Media Ethan empire. and Ethan out of it. Media empire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 9059. What's up, man? Good What's up, guys? How you doing? Yeah, we're great. Thanks for coming up. What are your thoughts on all this, on the market? And I, I really want to hear your thoughts. I and mean, you always have some good, uh, some good insight. I got a, a few things. One on the on the Ben Dow thing. The I mean, the only place you're actually starting to see that really filter in is mutants. The you know, board apes, the board apes that are coming, you know, are pretty nice apes. Some of them are frozen, so that's going to get kind of weird. But it's like it's forty the, frozen apes. Yeah, there are, there are a bunch of frozen apes and a bunch of them in that DAO. So I'm curious, you know, I think that the DAO is going to get stuff with those. But the, yeah, I mean, the mutants, you had like uh, M2 horns come out today. You had a uh, gold grill come out today. So you've got some, I think those the market's going to work through. But then you got something like 10 to 15 floors that are in the DAO for auction now. So mutants are where... I think mutants are going to be the the set to look to to see what's this impact going to be because you're starting to see it. Now, I mean, you know, it'll probably get digested at some level, but that's actually where the action's at. Um, on the we had him on, we had him on the, yesterday. Say it again. We had him on yesterday to talk about the the, the CEO about um, like whether because and he was like, you know, we're never gonna we always gonna, are going to accept frozen frozen um apes right but then it does leave them in a little bit of a difficult situation because no one really buys frozen apes um and this has been kind of what what everyone hasn't really realized this has been the biggest sink for them over the last six months right yeah i mean ultimately just the dow is going to end up owning a ton of nfts because these, i mean these things you could they won't even let you bid anything less than uh 95 of the floor you know and you got 15 mutants out there so you're not going to get people, and, and you bid, and you hold your ETH over for two days. Ultimately, they're just not going to sell, and the DAO is going to own a ton of NFTs. I, like, assuming things keep going lower. I think there is a good chance the market digests this. Like, I don't think this is doomsday for apes or mutants or whatever, but I do think for the DAO, uh, people who, I, like, there's a lot of risk there that that DAO starts owning a lot of NFTs. Because if people don't buy them, then that's, they just hold them. No, I, I love your constant... Uh pushing back on uh open with the stolen uh nft policy so please keep it up uh, yeah thank you for that yeah guys that I, I'm, I'm i don't know i'm so passionate about that just because i just just treat, customers doing nothing wrong doing exactly what your marketing tells them to and then you lose them money like if that happened at any company i've been a part of like the ceo would be on it 24 7 and here you have a company where we haven't even heard a word from Devin. you know you got all these customers who do exactly what open wants them to do they go and they trade assets that OpenSea says are clean and three days you know three hours to three days later you get an email saying sorry that thing you bought you can never sell and it's not now worth 20 percent less on any other exchange like it's just mind-boggling that the company's okay with that you know one thing i noticed i know five nine i'm gonna ask you a question <clears throat> yep. you know, obviously there's still a major sorry my voice my god <clears throat> um there's still a major dominance in the market with 
by OpenSea, right? Versus looks rare and next to white and whatnot, all the other platforms trying to come in. Like, it's so crazy how it's OpenSea still like literally dictates like a floor price. We're talking about floor prices. You could go and sweep a floor off of OpenSea only and then X to Y2 and looks rare. People are just going to adjust their prices to the OpenSea price. Like, oh, I mean. Have you noticed that? Oh, I mean, one thing that is mind-boggling and, you know, and, and it just shows everyone says like in the investment world, buy monopolies, buy monopolies. And OpenSea is like the textbook reason why. I mean, you've had looks rare out there basically paying people to use their platform. X2Y2 is a great platform. And if you actually look at the total number of trades where royalties are paid, okay, so I'm not talking about the private sales on X2Y2 or the sets that or the wash trading, but if you look at total trades where artists get royalties, OpenSea still has like 95%. It's just crazy to me. Like everyone, everyone's so frustrated with OpenSea. These other exchanges are cheaper. So they're paying people tokens and they just can't move market share. It's, it's, this is just like the craziest case study in monopolies for marketplaces that I've seen, you know? So you gotta, I mean, they're doing something right. I'm not, I'm, I, I have nothing really against OpenSea. It's just this policy and like what it says about that. I, I agree. I do think though that their moat has drastically gotten less. Like and earlier on, I was like, no one's ever going to surpass OpenSea. Why the hell are people bothering with marketplaces? But as time has gone on, and it kind of ties into like even what the floor price and everything else we've been talking about earlier, like the space is going to evolve and mature. Like, and digital assets are going to continue. And that's why I'm pumped for Fwiz to keep talking next. But like, I, I mean, OpenSea is going to be there, but I am, I don't think they're going to be number one in five years. Like, if I, if I had to make a bet, I, I don't know who's going. I, uh, excuse me. Have you heard of Blockbuster before? There's I agree. I just, you would think you'd start to see some chipping away at that monopoly by now. Like, I agree with you. And I'll be honest. So I worked at Uber. Yeah, I was an early employee at Uber. I know a lot. And the Magic Eating guys are Uber guys. And they are the most aggressive guys I've ever met in my life. They're so competitive. They're they have, they have a huge user base. Like, if I were betting on someone to start chipping away, it would be it would be Magic Eden. I think I, I, those guys just are, are so intense, like so hungry I and really pumped, Now it makes sense. I watched Super Pumped, and now I understand. Now, now their Twitter makes sense on how they. This yeah, is now I get it. Sense. They're ex Uber. Oh my god! See, I watched Mando Ovi. Do you guys watch Super Pumped? The show. It's the show about. Gotta about watch Uber. it. It's, it's actually it. it's quite a good show. You guys should watch, and you guys need to watch the 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 the, the WeWork one. And speaking of WeWork, damn, we gotta get Adam Newman on this fucking show. Oh, I, I can't wait for the WeWork. Uh, WeWork. That's for another day. Let's keep this conversation for another day. We have a very respectable guest on stage right now. I'm gonna go to him in a second. But <laughs> so we're gonna keep that conversation for another day, another time. That's another flow, not the flow we had yesterday. Um, and <laughs> and nine oh five nine. What do you, are you, just last question, right? Because I, I do want to get to Ryan who just joined us. But are you, are you personally worried about, about the NFT, specifically market as a whole? Or what are some words? Because I know a lot of people look to you and turn to you for statistics, for, for words of advice and, and on this space, et cetera. And I know you cover a lot of it daily. Like, what are your takes on the broader NFT market? Are you worried about this whole age stuff right now? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of I agree with what, what Mando said. Like, I think there this is, there's going to be a lot of washouts. You know, the the market did get frothy, and it, but the other piece is just momentum is is a beast. You know, when thing you know the only reason people buy NFTs really like sometimes you do because you really believe long term. A lot of time you think you know I'm not going to be able to get this price tomorrow. 
And when things, you know, so I need to buy now because there's FOMO and, you know, and, and there's something coming up. And I just think, I think that since NFT NYC, we've just like, that was like what a lot of teams poured their heart and soul into. And you saw that in Gordon Garner's Discord comment. He's like, look, we're going to keep delivering like we did NFT NYC, but that event didn't deliver for prices. You know, it was a great event. It was fun. I enjoyed it a lot, but it didn't deliver for prices. And I think a lot of people are just saying like, what am I waiting for now? And, you know, we got to, you just got to get that momentum back. So I don't know. It certainly feels like this kind of grind lower, you know, they're just kind of dangerous because they can go on for a long time. So I'm not like dumping more money into NFTs right now. I'm not worried about a lot of stuff I own, but um, yeah, I think, I think this momentum could, could drag on. I guess, uh, and I guess we'll see what happens there. And uh, but you know what? I hope I'm wrong, man. I hope I'm wrong for all of us, bro. I, I actually want you to be wrong, though. I respect you and, and I like you, but I want you to be wrong. But I agree with you, so I want to be wrong myself. Um, and uh, and but we'll get. Wasn't it? Isn't it about the friends we made along the way, though? Come on, come on. Think We're about the fun, right? And, and, and Farouk, we got to talk about Super Pup sometime. I, I can tell you about that show, but we'll do that on on on, on a one on one line. I'm gonna hit you up. I heard a lot oh, of. The, I want to hear this all, please. I heard a lot of the stuff wasn't real, um, but it's <laughs> from people who work with Travis. Uh, but it's <laughs> I can't wait to get to that. We'd be another great guest on the show. <laughs> we, we should get Travis, and we should also get Joseph Gordon-Levitt that played the part, and have them both talk about their experience playing. So the- Travis Kalanick, and we get fucking. We get uh, Adam Newman on the same show, um, and we talk about their their specials on HBO, whatever channel they were on. Uh, I wouldn't know. I streamed that. Uh, don't record. Get a little bit of homes too. But <laughs> it was great. However, however, I'm I'm gonna hard transition here. It was a great conversation, though. I, I'm really loving the Friday shows. The much more laid back, fun, and it was a good conversation regarding floor prices and uh, and and founders and whatnot and, and everything going on. We do have. A great guest on stage who just joined us, Ryan Wyatt, a.k.a. Fwiz, who is the CEO of Polygon Studios. Ryan, I went and I copy-pasted a a bio I found online of you. An American gaming executive, former esports commentator under the name Fwiz, former global head of gaming partnerships at Google, and head of gaming at YouTube. And now, of course, uh, you serve as the CEO of Polygon Studios. So this is a show that we personally in the back end, like with Mano and OSF and everyone on Rug Radio, we've been extremely uh, excited about. We talk about Polygon Matic all the fucking time. Uh, we're, we're really, really uh, excited about the future, what the future holds for y'all. We think that we're big fans, um, not to sound like a simp. But Ryan, uh, <laughs> welcome to Rug Radio. How are you doing today? Dude, I uh, thanks for having me. I was thoroughly uh, appreciating all of the banter that was uh, that was going on there. Uh, I, I think you guys got a good thing going for you on this show. Thank you, thank you. I think it's episode like honestly, not like two hundred. I I don't even know. I <laughs> you guys could have probably I feel like spoken for another like seven hours just ripping about OpenSea. To be honest with you, <laughs> dude, I swear to God, it's it, it's crazy. You know, another thing that OpenSea did. Uh, in my opinion, which is a point Mel brought on uh, that last night on the show. Mel's the person who built the whole tokenomic structure for, for Rug Radio. Uh, but it's, uh, it's uh, we were saying that OpenSea is one of the reasons why Polygon in the first place got a bad name in NFTs. And I'm going to talk about that later because we thought all this time 
we said, oh, Polygon spam, Polygon scam, spam, not scam, spam. But Polygon ain't no spam. And doing big things in the space. And so I'm really excited to dive into that, you know? Yeah, I'm ready, man. Let's chat about whatever you want to chat. I'm here. Hell yeah. Oh, bro, that's so fucking true, man. Like I, that was Mel. It's so me. Don't even give me any credit. She's a genius. She's right. She's right. Like we, like the reason why NFT MFers see Polygon as a spam or a scam or whatever is because OpenSea enabled that. That's my opinion. Not the opinion of Ryan White. See a Polygon Studios on here. I'm the one saying that. He's not acknowledging it. We can talk about it, but I just want to put that out there. Uh, it's a thought that came in last because we have a show late night. Every Thursday, and we th- talk about things. And she talked about that when I I said that I was gonna have you on uh, today. And and I thought that, I just remembered that. And I was like, wow, that's a good thought. But that's uh, a feature, not a bug. The bug yeah. was on OpenSea making that that way. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so anyway, so Ryan, uh, obviously, I went and found a, a good looking uh, uh, um, introduction of yours online uh, to name it. But you've obviously done a lot. Uh, in, in, in your life, in Web2, you've, I mean, major. We had someone on the show not too long ago, a couple weeks ago. It was a night show again on Thursday night. We're talking about gaming and everything, other side this, other side that. And he was saying that you are arguably one of the most respected and biggest names in gaming. And and so that's one of the reasons why I'm excited to talk. Um, and we want to get into it. But first, but first, of course, um, let's ask you the first question. You know, who are you and what is your background? I know I gave you a short intro, but... Nobody better than yourself uh, to introduce yourself to the Rug Radio uh, audience today. Yeah, no, happy to. Um, so, yeah, my background is I got into um, gaming at a very young age. Like, I started playing video games when I was, like, three or four years old. And then I started playing competitively uh, Counter-Strike and then Call of Duty and got really into esports early on. Like, when it was just, you know, a handful of hotel ballrooms to, like, play against each other uh, for a small amount of money. And... I was in college at the time and I was trying to figure out how, how I could have a job in the gaming industry, right? And it was like, clearly there wasn't, like at this time, there wasn't really any money to be made in esports. It wasn't really that big of a thing. And so I was trying to figure out what my path could be. And so I started doing like commentary for tournaments and basically worked for a company called Major League Gaming, which was later acquired by Activision Blizzard, which is now Overwatch League, Call of Duty League, anyway. And so um, I got back and so I was like, look, I kind of like watching other people play video games at a high level. I think others would. And so what happened was I naturally really just started at the beginning of what we call now the creator economy, like the digital content creators. So uh, I, nobody was making any kind of content for money at the time. People were starting to upload content on YouTube, uh, Ustream, Justin TV. And so basically, you know, I'm in my young 20s at this time, you know, like, I don't know, 20. 21 years old and i'm kind of doing it all i'm streaming on just tv i'm uploading youtube videos i'm working a nine to five at mlg i'm going to these tournaments and i'm commentating them and pretty much just trying to be a jack of all trades as i made a name for myself in the industry i mean i would even do stuff dude like i would ref tournaments you know like i was anything i could fucking do to work in the gaming industry i was doing full stop right and it was awesome. And so what happened was then I kind of parlayed that activity at Major League Gaming into a startup called Machinima, which was effectively for, you know, I'm going to I'm going to date myself. It's like the MTV of, of gaming videos on YouTube. So at the time, YouTube was just really like cat videos. This is very early days of YouTube. And like, you know, shitty videos that people would upload, like home videos and stuff. And there was this thing called, called a Dazzle Capture Card that came out. And what it did is it allowed you to easily plug in your like Xbox 360 and, and start capturing content. 
And so game clips started getting uploaded on YouTube. So anyway, at Machinima, we started figuring out like, okay, how do we, how do we incentivize the behavior of behavior of people? Um, so we started monetizing. So we would roll, like we would partner with creators. We would sell ads in front of their videos and then they could make money off of YouTube videos. So this is like, nobody else could make money off videos. Like this is not a thing anybody was doing. We basically build out a sales team that would go sell the display ad before a YouTube video. And so then creators started to partner with this network called Machinima. Fast forward while I was there, I used to write these letters to YouTube all the time about how they're doing typically a terrible job in gaming, right? Like that they're missing the boat, that it's going to be this big thing. You're not paying attention to it. YouTube on the front page, you know, this is, again, this is like 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Used to have all of these different categories, like, pets, automobiles, travel, and never gaming. So they were intentionally kind of sweeping gaming under the rug because they kind of looked at gaming as, as like a negative thing, like something they didn't want to enable on the platform, which was problematic to our business at Machinima. So long story short, I, uh, you know, 14, 15 interviews later, you know, Su Susan uh, Wojcicki, the CEO of YouTube, Google started in her garage. She, became, she becomes the CEO of YouTube and she's like, gaming is really important. Why is there nobody here focusing on it? Why are you guys doing the things that you're doing? Go get me somebody that can, that can get gaming going on YouTube. And so they reached out. They're like, who was that asshole that used to email us all the time about how we're messing up and not doing anything with gaming on YouTube? Like, I want to talk to that guy. And so I went up to Mountain View, which is where Google's quarters is, and literally did 13 or 14 interviews, uh, including meeting with Susan, and then got the job uh, as head of gaming. I was 27 years old. And became the head of gaming at YouTube and, and had to build out a team globally, build out a business. It was fun. It was a blank canvas, a little bit of imposter syndrome because all my peers were in their 40s, you know, their, their uh, prestigious backgrounds. I'm a college dropout at the time. I dropped out my last quarter of college at Ohio State. And here I am starting this gaming vertical. And against a lot of people that, that were the decision makers to make sure that gaming wasn't a big part of YouTube. And but now that Susan, the CEO, who has always been a huge ambassador of the category, you know, the, 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 the tides were changing. And so anyway, I spent eight years building that out, saw like the launch of mobile ads, you know, how we started to really monetize, uh, helped launch a lot of the uh, alternative monetization features like channel memberships and super chats so that creators can monetize outside of ads. And that's like really where I spent a lot of my time. And I also on the side did a lot of angel investing. And what happened was I saw a lot of really prominent game developers leaving prestigious studios, starting companies, and they were hitting me up and they're like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a blockchain based game. You know, do you want to invest? And, you know, first I was like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, because this, this is like a year and a half ago and I'm not following, like, I'm not, I wasn't crypto native or anything. Like, you guys, like a lot of you guys on here, you've been in the scene for a long time. It wasn't really my background. Obviously, I'd been following it, but, but, but would not, you know, I wouldn't lie to you and say, that, that I was a part of it. So I started investing in Web3 games, you know, beginning of last year, and then also became a venture partner at Bitcraft, uh, which has a pretty large crypto fund with a, you know, a specific focus on gaming, but other Web3 categories. And, I and then ultimately came to Polygon. And the reason that I really wanted to join the Web3 space is it reminded me so much of the You have, you have, but you're thinking about how you ena enable people to build, how you, you know, democratize uh, development, how you think of different ways to monetize. And it just was like eerily familiar to the creator economy for me in Web3. 
Uh, and so I, I just was like, I love this. And then I chose to go to Polygon for a big reason. I'm a big believer in Ethereum. Like if this whole Web3 thing works out and gets big, which I think we've already, already got early product market fit. So I don't think it's an if. I think now the question is, how big does the total addressable market get in this world of this, of this category? Um, ETH is going to be is going to be it, right? And that's not to say there won't be other L1s, sure. Um, and so then I started to look at other opportunities around. Like, okay, if you if you believe philosophically in Ethereum being an integral part of Web three, then how do you want to play your position there? And so I'm an early investor in Immutable. I, I like what they're doing as a games category, but I wanted to be broader than just gaming. And so I looked at Polygon. And felt that you know they were well versed across a couple different product solutions. Yeah, we have the POS chain now. The POS chain is definitely not the future of Polygon. I think it's more it gets the job done in the current state of Web three. But they had spent a billion dollars on acquiring three different zk companies, and I, I was pretty adamant that that was going to be the way that we actually scale. You know, a, a million plus DApps and all the transactions that we need to do. And so after kind of getting under the hood of that company, like. $450 million round raise in February. Sequoia leads that, Tiger, SoftBank's all a part of that, right? You look at the ZK hey, tech, it's, it's very impressive. Yeah, we got a launch and everything. And what they really you know, needed help and where I thought I could add the most value was I know how to scale large organizations and I know what good looks like from operating you know, BD, marketing, ops, go to market, all of this. And so I felt like a match made in heaven, you know, love working with like Sandeep and JT and the founders of Polygon and basically came on to be the CEO of Polygon Studios, which initially started as gaming and NFTs only. And now Polygon Studios is effectively Polygon's business arm. And so whether it's, it's, it's working with DeFi to NFT projects, to gaming, to music or otherwise, Polygon Studios, much like if you look at Solana Labs is for Solana or Ava, Ava Labs as well, you know, Polygon Studios is developing and, and advancing Polygon's ecosystem as a protocol and product. And so I just gave you a whole long narrative, like a, a long story <laughs> there, but that's my background. Wow. Woo! Woo! You just covered all of the questions I had ready for you in two minutes. Pack it up, boys. Show's over. Play we the outro. Let's go home. Let's go. You're smoking a bong right now trying to process everything. I we like said. the fizz. I mean, yeah. I didn't want to. I mean, if you, you know what I'm saying, and I'm not going to lie. I, yeah. might go, I might go outside and take a hit. But yeah, he's, he keeps flicking his lighter over there trying to process all of that. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Exactly. 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 <laughs> oh, my God. Of course, we have these GMDs. GMT. Yeah, but uh, Ohio Gang had to come represent. Let's I've been go! Following Fwiz since I was a teenager and just fucking love everything he does. So it's cool right to get back here. at you, brother. Yeah, it's cool that the worlds have collided from game battles to today, huh? That's awesome. You gotta be like <laughs> one of the most fun CEOs we've had on the show, if not the most fun. But, dude. My God, can't wait to get it. Mando, I saw you on mute. Did you want to interject real quick? If you can, you should, because that way I can go outside my balcony and take a hit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great story. I, I, what, what I like about it, though, and what I keep on hearing about people who move into like blockchain gaming is that some people get it and are like, wow, like this it feels really similar to uh, like the dawn of like the internet. Like We're going to create, create economies. Like This is going to be the future. And then other gamers just like see this as microtransactions like it's going to be over commercialization like 
why do you think that there's just such, such that divergence in reaction? Like, for me, I just don't really get it. It feels as though these economies already existed. Is it just like bad marketing or bad press so far? Or do you think there's like there are actually legitimate concerns here? I think there. I think there. Uh, that's a, there's a lot to unpack there. I think there is definitely legitimate concerns, right? So if you look from a gamer's perspective, they've definitely had pushback at a lot of different, um, you know, meaningful moments in time of gaming's history. You know, free to play model, mobile gaming, so forth. And I think they at those times there was really push on these things. And so the problem that I noticed as I was even observing kind of like Web three gaming while still at Google and YouTube is you had a lot of people that were crypto native that don't really intimately understand gaming peddling web three gaming in like the worst possible way and using really bad examples like oh what if you could own your you know your nft in this game and bring it to another like that kind of level of interoperability is something that exists so um i think we had a lot of bad uh spokespeople in the early days for web three gaming like trying to evangelize it which is fine but it's okay i also think you've got to show really good products and so when we when a lot of the products that we looked across that came out play to earn were Ponzi nominic-esque kind of products. I don't necessarily think people built these games necessarily with malicious intent. Sure, some did, right? Just like in the dawn of the internet, a lot of the first movers to new technology actually end up being bad actors, right? And so as a gamer, you look in from the outside and you're like, these, there's none of these games appeal to me. Some of them, the barrier to entry, like remember at the height of Axie, the barrier to entry was like 1500 bucks to pick up like three Axies and then just find out that you're going to get your ass beat with those three Axies because they're not that good, right? And so it's just like, there was, there's a lot of work that needs to get done and we really need to continue to learn, iterate and adapt. And so I would imagine it's more than okay while 99.9% .9 of the games industry sits on the sideline. The encouraging thing is that there's 3 billion gamers in this world and that as this... As, as blockchain gaming, Web3 gaming continues to evolve, there will be better products, better instances. You know, on-ramps will be, you know, the friction for on-ramps will be reduced over time. And you'll start to naturally get people in. This stuff just takes time. And so I really don't worry too much about the backlash because I, I think it's part, of, it's, part of the, uh, it's part of the process. And the other thing, too, is if you're not really into the space, like, think about it. The whole, this thing is called rug radio. Like, get it. All of a sudden, you look at these NFTs, and, you know, you, you've got, like, a monkey that's selling for, like, uh, you know, $300,000. And people are like, I don't want that in my game. I, I buy, like, a, you know, like, they don't – it's hard to fully grasp this space unless you're intimately in it on a day-to-day -day basis. So I kind of look at the long view of you've got to show people quality products and you've got to show quality consumer experiences. And that's going to take time, right? And so you really just have a group right now that's in the space that – has a pretty good vision of what the next five to 10 years could look like. And I still think even articulate vision can be different. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. So I, I kind of look at gamers, you know, the TLDR is their criticism is fair. Half of it is fair criticism. Half of it is uninformed. And the way that you inform gamers is by, is by showing them quality products and experiences that they enjoy. So I think that's a really good answer. I wanted to break down part of it though. You, you, you've said that, you know, a lot of this has been just short term as start of of maybe a, like a nascent technology coming into coming into the space. Like, do you think there is a future for P2E gaming, or do you think that that model is kind of not going to work? And secondly, do you think there are assets in your view which will be interoperable? Like part of part of the view, I think even now for the profile picture world is that they will morph into avatars and they might be the best in terms of being interoperable between games. Or like, which which assets do you think could could be? So 
on the play to earn thing, um, the category as we know, kind of like play to earn now, probably not, but I do think the category will evolve where the, the game dynamics and tokenomics will be balanced in a way that it can work. I also think we will there will be a lot of insights from uh, play to earn that get brought into just general game mechanics. But this category of play to earn, I'm not entirely sure is what we will be calling it in a, you know, in a couple of years time. But I do think what we learn from play to earn, there will be good things that we take from it and there'll be bad things that we take from it. So my answer kind of is like, kind of, but I, in the way that it exists today, it can't be in a, in a way where, you need more people participating in and playing and buying for the economic store. I also think this like earning mechanism is, is um, can, can show, can show itself in a lot of different ways. You know, you could be a part of a game early on and own a bunch of these NFT assets that you get for, for really cheap. And then over time, this game goes from like a hundred thousand users to, you know, 15 million users. And you have like these season one NFTs that are like finite rare and people want them and you can sell them. And you've earned off of that, right? Because you were an early mover, early adopter, early investor into a game. And then you reap the rewards of that game's success. So like, I look at that as like, it's not, it is, you're not like yielding earned, but like you, your early investment into the game allowed you to monetize and earn off the game. So anyway, we, the category as exists today will evolve and there will be good that is taken from it and applied to other games. Um, what was this? What was the second part of your question? I guess my second part of the question was was about interoperability. Like a yeah, lot of a lot of yeah. gamers say, like it's not going to happen, or like everything's really proprietary and it comes into gaming traditionally. So it's difficult to imagine a world where that that will happen. But do do you think there are assets which will? Um, yeah. Which will... So so the way I kind of think of interoperability playing is there's like it, there is zero percent chance that like uh, oh I have an eight K forty seven skin in this game and I can go to, like just bring that item over into there for a lot of like game design mechanics. It's just it's an impossible feat. Now, you might have games that have, like, parameters that allow people to develop, you know, assets in UE5 and bring them into metaverse-type concepts, and so maybe there's something along that lines. Or if you look at one of my favorite games ever is Counter-Strike, you could imagine that, like, uh, if you had a, a Web3 version of Counter-Strike, people could do a AK-47 skin, right, that, you know, 10,000 are minted, and then it's, like, something very exclusive, right, to purchase. The way I kind of see interoperability playing is this. Like, imagine... Taking like, uh, you know, your punk, you know, and then basically you can then that you, you establish five, six, seven partnerships with a top game. And I don't know that necessarily it has to be the avatar of the punk, but maybe you have a specific game item or skin. Like I'll use an example that I always like, and this is not a real one. So this is not something that's happening, but just to kind of lay it out. Like imagine Prada minted, you know, a thousand backpack NFT, right? And that has a bunch of utility. Maybe you get to go to like a runway show, a meet and greet. Maybe you get a discount off like a Prada item, whatever. And then say Prada does a partnership with like five or six really prominent Web3 games. Then they have like that, they, then they create that equivalent digital asset within the game. So like Crypto Unicorns creates a Prada backpack that you can put on your unicorn, you know, and something along those lines. Or like you can have that item somewhere else. And that adds like more utility to the underlying NFT. And so the digital asset looks different, but you're linked to that underlying NFT that you have. And so I would like to see some of that be interoperability where it's like, oh, because I own this product NFT, I actually can use this backpack in like five different games that I like to play. And it looks a little different because, you know, they've had to create that digital asset inside of each one of those worlds uniquely. I want to see more of that. That's heavily BD driven, partnerships driven in order to establish something like that. 
But that's how I think of, okay, we've got to add utility to NFT over time. We have to make sure that we continue to provide value to the user. I think there's going to be unique partnerships that are, um, are created from, from that concept. See, I, I completely agree. I think wearables and avatars are the most likely. Do, do you think that then the idea that, you know, with a lot of these uh, avatar projects, which are in NL, which are giving IP to their, to their owners, do you think that's going to be very valuable in the future in terms of like, let's say, group deals with Bored Apes or Punks or, I don't know, whichever uh, avatar kind of becomes popular in terms of um, going on different games? Yeah, I think, again, because I have such a belief that it's like, it has to be really strong BD teams. So like Yuga is going to have to do a really good job of establishing strong relationships across these different games, which they are, right? Like, I think they're doing a fantastic job, to be honest with you, on, on like partnering with, you know, across the ecosystem to like really add value. So yes, I think for sure it can, but it, it, these projects are going to need really strong leadership teams and really strong BD teams that are like focused on serving the community of the holders, right? Um, I don't think these, you know, passively it, it will get done, you know? So I really think you're going to see kind of on a lot of these, you know, PFP NFT projects, it's like the, 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 this blue chip, what we kind of consider this blue chip kind of category will be very limited. And it will then go from who are the project owners, like how do they continue to drive value? And I think that's a real thing. And you're starting to see like decouple of class. There's like this art aspect of it. Then there's like a PFP kind of NFT aspect of it. And then there's overall like, how are you really driving utility into that? And so it'll be interesting to see how what we classify as blue chip evolves over time. And I think a lot of that is striking meaningful partnerships. And then that, you know, like, so we'll see how that continues to develop. But that's a big, like, that's going to be a big part of it. And so I don't think you can just launch like an NFT hope the community adopts it as a blue chip project and that, that you're good. Like you can check that box, right? I think it's an ongoing work and effort to collaborate across the ecosystem to drive continued value to the underlying NFT by doing cool partnerships and, and, and adding more utility so that holders do see the value in it. I mean, that's the reality of it in my mind, at least. Yeah, I think I think so too. I, I, I'm I'm bullish on the idea that you are maybe doing partnerships with several different gaming companies down the line, and that that can that can accrue even back to holders themselves. The, the other yeah, thing I want to ask slightly, yeah. you guys you guys keep going about you guys stuff because we want to avoid those liquidations, all right? But man, yes. question. Which 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 I don't hold I don't hold anything from Yuga, so I'm impartial. No, no, he has a couple apes in his out wallet. Don't trust him. But they're all, they're, he has a polygon apes. He has a boarding Polygon Club. <laughs> Lord knows what has been sent to my ETH address. My, I have that probably at one point I need to look, dude. The amount of public Should I look for Rooks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't look. My God. Can, can I ask, look, um, can I ask slightly differently? What, what do you think of like Metaverse Worlds and land in, in, in that as a concept? I actually think it's got, so it's a, the, the question's broad, right? So I think it can actually be applied in really cool ways. Like I, I, I love the concept of, of land sales. I love the concept of games being able to raise from the community, right? You know, so for so long, games industry has been beholden to major game publishers and then later only had the privilege, like VC money really wasn't big in the games industry. I mean, it was few and far in between. Um, you know, so you have people like Mitch Lasky and some legends that did invest in games, but not many people did. Then all of a sudden, you know, you've got like Bitcraft, A16, Lightspeed, like all these people investing in gaming. But I actually love the mechanic of 
game developers being able to launch their digital assets, launch land sales, and be able to, you know, raise capital and then provide really cool utility to those like early adopters of a project. I think it's cool. It also can be really bad because then it can be like, well, what does it actually do? Does it have any meaning? Like this whole utility thing, you know, you, you can't underestimate because like you can do a land sale, it can be like complete bullshit. Or you can do a land sale and be like, this was awesome that I got in early. Like how fun. I own a town in a really massive MMORPG. It's called Quiz Town, right? Like that's awesome. But then you could do something where it's like the project never materializes. So the risk is really high. I think people over time will need to figure out how to get smarter about where and when they invest and how they put money into, you know, game projects specifically. Uh, but I, I, I kind of like the idea. But again, it's a very it's a it, it needs to be very nuanced case by case basis, because I also the, the problem that we have in this space in its entirety is it's so early and there's so many abuse vectors. And so what comes with decentralization is it's much easier to, you, you know, to, to, to tap into abuse vectors. And so what happens then is it puts a huge reliance on the community to educate each other, right? Um, and you guys feel this everywhere from NFT projects to wallet hacks to like, you know, malicious links and discord. I mean, it's everywhere, right? And, and the, the, the con of decentralization is you got nobody that's going to help you in that. That's like they just chalk it up as an expensive learning lesson. And so um, I, this is some of the stuff I do worry about on, on that end. But generally speaking, I think these are really cool concepts and people that do it right with the right intention. I love it. And I think it allows this very unique opportunity for gamers and users to participate in a game that they've never been able to do before, like a new mechanism they've never been able to, uh, to do before. Yeah, look, this is what I just don't really get. It seems like you're really excited about this. I mean, I'm not like some hard, hard, hardcore gamer who's been doing it like professionally, but I see a lot of these concepts and just think they're so interesting. And yet the reputation is just still so bad, it seems like in the traditional gaming world. Like, what what are you hearing from actually the, the, the gaming company's side? Like, are they, I know a lot of them have kind of tried to say, oh, we might be looking at NFTs and seem to have been like lambasted by the community. How many of them in private are talking to you guys? Like, is a lot of this building do being done behind closed doors? Um, there's been whispers, you know, like GTA might be looking at some of these concepts, and some other bit, um, some other big games, or at least gaming companies will be. So, I think some of the there's a couple things to, to keep in mind here. Like, I would say when you think about uh, English speaking Western audiences, it's pretty negative, right? And I think sometimes you guys might. Um, I see you guys like because we're like all I would you know predominantly a lot of us are you know uh, in Western markets I'm sure listening here and not eight back, and so on the Western market side there's definitely some interest to learn and if you look if you look at if different there's you know at some of the biggest companies they've got blockchain Web three folks now YouTube hired it you know Microsoft has folks like this is public knowledge like on the you know their 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 profiles on LinkedIn are you know blockchain or Web three or whatever it is so. The nice thing is you got a lot of people thinking about it and you now have experts within those companies that are educating and evangelizing. And, and it, that's a lot that a lot needs to happen there. Like this is not an easily understood space. Like when you start talking and like unpacking the tech and the nuances of the community and all this, it's a lot to take in. And as you guys all know, I mean, you could like be off Twitter for a day and feel like you missed the time. So that's one thing. If you look towards APAC and Asia at large, you would never know that there's like negative sentiment towards blockchain game, web three games. So they're super stoked. A lot of partnerships are being struck over there. They're well on their way. And so why I look at that as a bullish signal is Western games always have been delayed, right? Like the freedom play model and mobile games all starts in APAC. 
Western gamers say, get that out of here. We don't want that shit. And then all of a sudden, all their favorite games are like free-to-play games that are monetizing off of these like digital goods. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 you got to take it with a grain of salt and also be mindful of like the vacuum in which you're listening to feedback. Uh, usually some of the, the negative sentiment is actually coming from these Western markets that I think over time will will adopt it. It might take years, um, but I t- take a macro view and large game public. First of all, we announced a partnership with Tilting Plan, which is a massive game publisher. So large game publishers are doing partnerships and are building Web3 games and are entering the space. And also when you look at games that are able to like do a NFT sale and land sale and raise 30, 40, 50 million on primary and secondary sales, and be like, we don't need your money, VC. We don't need we don't need your money, game publisher. That doesn't really matter what they think because they're going to have to start to focus on it because these are huge dynamic shifts that are happening in the space. And my last point on it is the free-to-play model is largely driven by a few amount of whales and then a bunch of people with time, you know? So if whales, like people with money, start to bleed into Web3 blockchain-based games, it'll be a forcing function for all free-to-play game models to reconsider their strategy because they, they, they fall flat on their face if they lose whales. Because people with time that don't spend money aren't going to keep these games propped up. They need the big spenders. And I think naturally, if you have good games in Web3 that attract whales, you create a huge paradigm shift in the overall games industry that, is, that cannot be ignored. My mind is blown uh, right now. I'm, 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 I have, I have a hard on. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. You know, radio in the morning. Quiz, I, can I, I got a follow up for you on it. It started, oh, it started with your first point you brought up, but I think you've continued to answer it throughout. And I've seen what you guys are doing at Polygon. You're doing a really good job of, uh, you know, doing newer projects that I've never really heard of, but you're also kind of working with like established IP. It, where do you kind of see uh, the biggest like Web3 gaming coming from? Do you think it's going to be like these more established IPs that maybe we already know about or something relatively new? Because I definitely see like you said, Polygon is kind of going both directions right now. Yeah, we definitely going both directions. And I'll tell you why, you know, like my, what my history has taught me is with like, look at YouTube is a great example. Like Minecraft has been the largest game, number one game on YouTube as far as hours watched for a, a decade and has never been dethroned, not even in like Fortnite's heyday of whatever was it, summer of 2019, whatever it was. Um, that's a huge statement. And if you look about Minecraft, when Minecraft first came out, I remember us playing it, it was ass, dude, like as far as like overall quality of gameplay and onboarding, but it was so it was so fun to get with your buddies and like tinker and play in it. And then people started doing a lot of things that you would like to see in Web3 mods start getting created right content gets around it like all of a sudden like they democratize development because people start doing fun things like hunger games and all these different things that keep the game exciting if you looked at minecraft and that small swedish team at the time it you would never have been like oh yeah this is going to be the game that like revolutionizes the games industry and so for me i always tell the team internally where i'm like our, our uh, the most likely scenario of a massive breakout hit is going to be from some native Web3 game developers. Now, obviously, we still need to pay attention to both sides of the space, right? Like Web2, bringing in that polish and, and professionalism and games experience is super valuable and cannot be ignored. But if I, you know, if you really were like, gun to head, Ryan, make a bet, is it going to be Web2 developers that come in or a group of native Web3 game developers? 
I definitely think it's going to be a group of native Web3 game developers that 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 makes the Minecraft like game for this category. I, I, I love I'm that. On that. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I still want to create like a DAO that goes and buys up like all like the 80s games IP, like Leisure Suit Larry and all these other fun ones and just convert yeah. into Web3. It'll all happen, man. Like all this stuff takes time. You know, it's a, the, it, you know, we, it's kind of amazing um, what we can accomplish in a year in this space and how much it's changed just since the beginning of this year. So, we're kind of in general the the development and advancement of this industry is going to happen so so fast. Um, and and the outside and on the outside perspective, it'll never be fast enough because they're they're you know I'll be in an interview with press and they're like, well, where's your Amazon you know app and web? Three? The fuck like that you know like where's our trillion dollar market cap you know app in Web three? I'm like, get out of here, right? Like we're we, some of us are just coming in this space. We're just building. We have a long road ahead of us. That's the excitement. You know, I'm I'm here in this space to figure it all out that it's this like blank canvas we got a lot of painting to do you know uh we've got a lot of work to do but we're gonna get there and um i'm so i'm so so excited for what the future holds here and honestly dude even since i started at polygon i kid you not it's not even cliche every fucking week i'm like get more excited more bullish more enthusiastic than the week before because of the stuff that we're doing at the company the conversations we're having the partnerships that we're striking like more people are getting it right we're out there educating and evangelizing and even if they go like partner with somebody else that's still a win for this space because we're advancing it collectively that's why like i don't even get into these like weeds of like competition we're so early like you can't look at like solana or avalanche or mutable as any of these guys as 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 competition from my perspective because it's so early that any one of those cats that gets a win right is good for our space because we just got to move this thing forward and keep pushing the total addressable market bigger so I, I, I would like to see, you know, more of like crypto Twitter kind of evangelize everybody else, right? Instead of, there's too much of like, I hate kind of like a ETH maxi, Bitcoin maxi, like all L1 maxi. It's just like, guys, we're not that big to like be doing that, you know? Sure, maybe in five, five to 10 years, but right now we really should be just ambassadors of progress in this space. Uh, I love all that. I know is I'm going to be max bidding <laughs> fucking Matic after this show, well, no, that broke. Okay. That was my one None question. Financial that was, advice. That's my D-Y-O-R, one question. Motherfuckers. Ha, does, <laughs> does, does Sandeep look? Does Sandeep look at the floor price of Matic every morning yeah. or during the day and go like, "I need to do that," or does he just go to the forest and take <laughs> mushrooms and go, "Let's make cool shit"? No, dude. Sandeep is the man. Like, I have never enjoyed working with someone more in my entire career, and I mean that so sincerely. And at the end of the day, dude, like, we just have to. It, it, you, you just have to kind of put that to the side. Like the reality is like put it aside and control what you can control. And what we can control is like building a world-class like platform out and protocol and bringing all the best partners to Polygon and building out kind of this vision of Web3. Everything else takes care of itself. So there's zero point of focusing on it, to be honest with you, right? Like just do the right thing, build the right things, have conviction, establish the right relationships. This stuff will come. You don't need to focus on it. It's like, you know, we're, 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 that's our vision. We're not traders, right? Our vision is to build like uh, this, like world-class protocol and platform. And if we just stay focused on that so much, so much of the stuff takes care of itself over time. So you, so you guys are just NFTs without pictures, basically. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Damn. Oh, coins with pictures that we're trading. Um, and <laughs> Right. I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not getting into the Kobe rant. You guys, we'll, I only have seven minutes left before I Listen, 
I gotta go strike another partnership for Polygon guys. So you know, uh, oh, we'll save that for another one. Oh, maybe we man, give me shivers over here. Give us alpha. Give us alpha. Give us. Well, get, yeah, we want we want the alpha. Who I, are I you closing that, at twelve p.m. Eastern time? Minutes today. of alpha on you guys. The, the greedy rug radio cast over here. We'll have to do it again for the next set. We need more, dude. <laughs> we need a whole hour more with you. We gotta be mindful. Okay, we have six minutes exactly left with Ryan, that he's got to go close another big partnership with Polygon. Speaking of partnerships, I want to ask you something. The Mando, I know you got a couple more questions. By the way, Mando crushing the interview this morning. Holy shit. Um, I want to ask you, Ryan, um, partnerships. Meta, yeah. you're doing big things. You're obviously at the at the forefront on onboarding the next you know billion people into the freaking space. There's a lot of people doing so. We try to do our best as well on a smaller scale, but you are there. You are the at forefront, a lot of you know you're doing meta partnerships, a bunch of other people, Polygon this, Polygon that. I even have, I think I have a Prada NFT on Polygon. It's pretty cool. Love it. But um, and yeah, Polygon is not all scams, okay, or spam NFTs. There's some good stuff. How how are you approaching? Like like what what's what's coming? Like I want to ask you what's coming next, but you can't talk about it. But like Obviously, you know yeah. what <laughs> what like how does it? How do you uh, see that? Like all these, what can you say about that? It's so crazy to me. Like we talk about it a lot, but you guys are doing a lot of big things, man. Yeah. So I would say, like, what what's unique is, um, like, there is a, a huge amount of Web two enthusiasm and interest to figure out how they participate in the space. And I think what we have been able to do a really good job at is put together kind of this world class team that understands Web two and Web three well. And so we are able to go into these meetings with the Stripes, with the DraftKings, with the Facebooks, and paint a really clear picture of what our team can do uh, and what success looks like and how we're able to execute for them. It, they get it, right? And from all my time at Google doing really large-scale partnerships, I, you know, I, I have a lot of confidence in how we kind of come to the table and how we approach this. I think that's pretty refreshing. I also would say... A, a large amount of these web two publisher or game publishers are otherwise just in web two in general have already made a decision to be associated with ethereum and so now they're trying to figure out their next steps of like okay we know like eth is where users and developers are we obviously can't build on mainnet even post merge right like that's not that that won't solve you know the issues and so they only then have a finite amount of partnerships that they can strike as far as scaling solutions on ethereum and so between the products that we have coming into the future and then the BD team that we have at their disposal, I think it makes it much easier to just get these things over, over the finish line and we'll keep rolling them out. Like our strategy is put a lot of money and time into the native Web3 developers, our ecosystem fund. We just launched another fund with Superlayer. We're going to keep making sure like Web3 developers get funded and get the port from Polygon. And we're going to keep bringing big Web2 companies to the platform as well. And that is like, that's our focus. That's what success looks like for this team. And we're going to keep doing it. That's, that's fucking dope. We have another question coming to you live from a small town journalist. Sobi, make it quick. <laughs> we have three minutes with Ryan now. <laughs> dude, I just want to know when ZK EVM is coming yeah, out, dude. I love you, dude. You like the meme I posted of you this morning? I did, dude. Anyways, so, yeah, go to Ryan. Oh. <laughs> what did you say? You asked when the uh, the ZKVM chain is coming out? Yeah, dude. So our te our test net will be out like very soon, like within potentially weeks. Um, we'll have that wow. out, and then we're yeah, and then we're launching like trying to go you know uh, full in Q one. 
And we'll have, a, we'll have to like, we'll have to tinker through. Like there will be bugs when we do the test net. That's the whole purpose and point of a test net. And so we'll continue to iterate on it and work through it. Um, but yeah, we're like, dude, we're ready to roll, man. From my perspective, we now like with, with our ZK tech, we like, like we have solved Polygon's long-term technical issue, right? Like everybody here knows like the POS chain was not going to be the chain that took us to the future. It's the, it's what gets the job done now and is more than sufficient. And I, you know, we're super excited that we now have solved our long-term scaling solution. So like for us, we have this confidence that Polygon is going to be around forever. And now let's like, let's go nail the BD aspect because we've got a clear vision, vision of our tech solution. And so I look at it as like the, our fate is in our hands. Um, we control our destiny and I feel good about the people that are in the driver's seats of that. What about SuperNet? When when can we see the first SuperNet go live, dude? That's a that's a good question. Um, so don't have anything to share now with that, but we are like guns blazing on SuperNet. It's got a bunch of great companies and partners that are building on our SuperNets right now, um, and and those will be that'll be relatively soon too. So we'll kind of have this stuff like twenty twenty three. We're gonna be rolling, man. So we'll have more on SuperNets, but that's uh we're like we're we're chugging along there as well too. Like that won't that won't be much longer as well. And we already have a lot of partners like re ready to roll and building on those. Well, there you go. Yeah, um, so we go ahead, please. If you have more questions on gaming, because you're a genius when it comes to that, that's your that definitely your stick. No, I've just been following that ecosystem closely. We've had a few calls with the the Polygon team too, and the BD team's really nice. It's always good to engage with them. I think it's going to be really interesting to see like long term. Um, interoperability between L2s. Like, I can see people using optimistic rollups or using ZK EVM before, like, general ZK catches on because no one's going to learn fucking Cairo. So I'm curious to see what that... Like, the mesh mesh of these ecosystems and coming together. Like, I think as long as people are aligned on, like, the Ethereum vision, it, it allows, like, the foundation to be very nice. And then you can kind of see people build on top of that, like, agreed upon a neutral layer. A hundred percent. Dude, so we, I, wait... Man, I'm telling you, wait till wait till like the game plan. I was trying to share more, but I think uh, come on, give us something. You'll, no, you'll be you'll be stoked. You'll be stoked. We we're aligned. We're aligned in our ideas, man, for sure. Give give us something, Ryan. Give us a link. Alpha, us, alpha. Yeah, come on, come on, Ryan. Ryan. But this was awesome. I love coming on. Thanks for having me. You guys, you're all great. Appreciate everything that you're doing for the space. You're all legends in your own right. Uh, keep moving it forward, and and again, thanks for having me. You got me ready to run through a man. fucking wall, dude. Yo, the energy and passion yeah, and space man. is so fucking contagious, dude. Like, thank you so much for just coming up here and talking with us. Absolutely, absolutely. We're gonna look back on these days very fondly, uh, and I can't wait to recall them in a couple of years. Uh, dude, uh, Golden, we gotta post this fucking episode on every single platform on the surface of Earth. And and, yep. and it's, it's going crazy. everywhere. It's going everywhere. It's going Ryan, everywhere. what's your favorite? What's your favorite uh, Counter Strike map, real quick? A dust too, man, for sure, no doubt, no doubt. Let's go, let's legend. go, legend, legend, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That was Ryan Wyatt, aka Fwiz, CEO of Polygon Studios, absolute fucking legend, and Giga Chad. Uh, to to close off the week of GM NFTs on Rug Radio, I'm just gonna end. We're just gonna end the show here. This is incredible incredible ryan thank you so much for coming on it means a you lot it, boy. Uh, it means a lot dude uh, i know we Absolutely. met like, the first nft nyc was around that time uh always such a dope guy and and we're really happy to have you know i think 
on you know the whole space great to have CEOs like you in the space just pushing the boundaries forward and doing some dope stuff so thank you for coming on man thank you very you much you got it you got it guys be good come anytime we definitely want to have you more and with that holy shit that was lit yo the guy just dipped he ended the show for us y'all he just like ended it he's like yo I'm ending your show he, he a real boss literally <laughs> I'm like fired up we have Rug Radio Town Hall in two hours at 2pm and let me tell you I'm fired up right now Whoa! Whoa! So 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Rug Radio, Town Hall. I believe I have a meeting with Mando even in 28 minutes. So, Mando, I'm going to be so hyped. I'm sorry. I'll see you tomorrow morning. No, not tomorrow morning. What am I saying? Monday. Monday. I'm taking a day off tomorrow. You're not even going to hear from Farouk on Saturday. Uh, yeah, that's Monday. BS. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Of course you will. 1030. <laughs> yeah, that's actually facts. I'll be tweeting all day. 1030 Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> 7 a.m. Pacific on Monday. Listen, the lineup next week is also gonna be fire. I have to say, I'm so happy and proud of us about what we've done this week. Mando Ovi, Golden, everyone. Like we're just like this show, this week was stacked. Stacked. And and to end it off like this on Friday is incredible. So uh next week we have a lot of great guests. Uh we have Maddie, DCL blogger, we have Kayvon from the foundation, we have Actually, Luca from Pudgy Penguin. It's going to be a great episode. And we have a couple more. So it's going to be great. It's going to be great with Rug Radio. And with that, I love y'all. I'll see y'all at Rug Radio Town Hall in two hours. And uh, and that's that. Uh, I don't even know how to end this space. I'm so hyped right now. I'm like pacing around. Here you go. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> have a beautiful day. A GM, GM. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. On this beautiful day. Rug Radio, Rug Radio, hey. We love Rug, it. Rug Radio, Rug Radio, Rug Radio. <laughs> See you guys. Love y'all. <laughs>